Well, good evening, everyone. Can I add my welcome to that you've already received? It's great to have you all here this evening as we celebrate 2019 carols. Who's enjoying themselves so far? Is there any hands out there? Oh, that's great to see. <laughs> Did you, whether it's a, a long-held family tradition or whether tonight's your first time ever coming out, did you know that scientists have recently found that there's actually side effects, good health benefits, to singing? They've found out that it's, it's good for your, for your sleep, it's good for posture, it's even good for boosting the immune system. So what you may or may not have realised that, that so long as you're singing tonight, you're going to go home from here healthier people than when you arrived. <laughs> it's nice, isn't it? Now, one, one warning just before you, you are too excited about that. I don't know if during any of those studies they worked out whether the fairy floss and the sausage, sausage sizzle uh, cancels out some of the benefits of that singing or not. But I'm not sure that anyone's too worried about it because I don't think anybody came along tonight with the intention of going home healthier people. If you wanted to be being healthier, you'd be across the road at the gym, working out, doing something intentionally beneficial for your health. So while there's nice side effects to singing, none of us do it for that purpose. And what I want to suggest is that I think that Christmas is a lot like that. There are a whole lot of things that are, that are nice side effects, bonuses from Christmas that are not the main deal. And so we're going to start off by doing a top five side effects of Christmas. Now, your list may look a little bit different to mine, but coming in at number five is holidays. Who are the kids who are already on school holidays? Who are the kids that go on school holidays in a few days' time? <laughs> Sorry, parents, you miss out. No, no, you don't eat. Not even the adults miss out. At Christmas time, we all get the public holiday on Christmas Day. We get Boxing Day straight afterwards. You've just got to take one day of leave. You can stretch it out to a five-day mini break. How good is Christmas holidays? It's good, but I want to suggest that it's only a side effect. And the next side effect, number four, is decorations. I don't know what, when your family does it, but in my family, first weekend of December is when we put up the tree. Uh, it's a small symbol. It's something physical that represents there's something big, there's something exciting that's happening soon. The only problem with trees is they're far too small to put up enough light. And so the tradition that's associated with decorations in our family is that, that we go around and drive around looking at all the houses around us. And the, the funny thing is, is that my kids just automatically realise that this is not just something that you do for fun. It's actually a competition. <laughs> the goal of putting lights on your house is to have more lights than your neighbours. Now, some people actually disagree with me, and the Journal of Environmental Psychology, I didn't know there was such a journal, but it says... They, did, they found out that homeowners use decorations to signal feelings of friendliness and connection to neighbours. Isn't that nice? I'm not sure that they're right, but it sounds nice, doesn't it? Decorations, they're a great side effect. We've been surrounded by decorations tonight. And it is, it brings happiness. But again, it's not the main purpose of Christmas. Which comes around to item number three on our countdown list, food. How good is the food at Christmas? 
whether you're the traditional baked dinner and Christmas pudding with custard, or whether you're more of a prawns and pavlova kind of person, we know that Christmas is a good time for all of the foods that we can possibly imagine. We also know that we're going to have so much of it that we're going to be eating leftovers for days. And yet nobody complains about it, do they? The food's good, but again, it's only a side effect. Coming around, number two, we're getting towards the top of our list, time with family and friends. It's really interesting when you think about Christmas in comparison to to other holidays. You think Easter, think Queen's birthday long weekend. We don't have to get together with family and friends, but aren't there expectations on you at Christmas time? If if you've met with the the other side of the family last year, it's our turn this year. Uh, And so there's this expectation that's a good expectation. We want to spend time with people that we love, that that we're friends with. And so Christmas is a great time of year that enables us to do that. It's a good thing, encouraging spending time with people that we love. But again, it's just a bonus, a side effect, which comes around to number one. Anyone guesses... Any guesses for what's number one on the list? Presents. You got it. How can you talk about Christmas and not talk about presents? They just go together, don't they? And when you think about it, it's a really nice thing, whether you're a a kid who's writing out a list of things that you want to see under the tree, or whether you're an adult buying presents for your loved ones. Presents are a good thing to receive or to give. It's a great way to show that other people in our lives are important to us, that that we care for them, that we're concerned. And yet again, I want to suggest that presents are just a side effect, a bonus of Christmas. Now, it's a short list. There's only five. We could have spoken about other things like the sport that's on, the Boxing Day sales, the Christmas presentations at school. There's so many good things that happen at Christmas. But all of them are just bonuses, side effects to the main event. And what I want to suggest the main event is, we're going to, do, we're going to look at by looking at just one verse from the Bible. Uh, Jesus had a number of followers when he lived on earth, and one of them was John. Uh, and John wrote an account of Jesus' life. Right at the beginning of his account, he wrote these words. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And my suggestion is that in two sentences, we have a summary of what Christmas is all about, the main purpose, not the side effect, the real deal. It may not sound as spectacular to you as presents or food or holidays, But my suggestion is by slowing down and just looking at some parts of these sentences, we're going to see something far more important. John starts off by saying, the word became flesh. It's his way of talking about Jesus, and yet it's quite a strange way to talk about someone. Why would he call someone the word? And what it's emphasising is that as Jesus comes to earth, he communicates He tells us something about God that we couldn't otherwise know. Lots of people have made suggestions about what God is like. We can can wonder, we can raise questions. But Jesus comes to earth and he tells us he's the word, the one who communicates to us. Like if I meet you for the first time and I tell you things about myself, it's a way that you can get to know me. And Jesus has come to earth as the word, the one who communicates to us 
about God, the one who puts an end to the doubts, who, who makes clear to us exactly what God is like. John goes on, the word became flesh. Now, for those of you who know me, uh, you know that I've got three kids. And for none of our three kids did we make the birth announcement like John makes it. Can you just imagine it? We're pleased to announce that Amelia has become flesh. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not something that you normally do, is it? Uh, and there's a reason that you don't normally announce birth this way, because Jesus' birth is not a normal birth. Yes, Christmas is Jesus' birthday, but Jesus has always existed. There was never a time when Jesus was not. And so Jesus became flesh means that he took on humanity. While he continued to be fully God, he became fully man. The theologians call it the incarnation. It shows that we are so special to God, where the, the, the special part, the pinnacle of creation, that God would become one of us in order to save us. It shows us very clearly just how important to him we are. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This picks up a theme that begins right at the very beginning of the Bible. In Genesis, when God created Adam and Eve, he placed them in the Garden of Eden and he was there with them. He, he lived amongst them. He talked with them. He walked with them. They had close relationship. It was when we chose to reject God's way of living and instead choose our own way of living that we were kicked out of the garden, that we lost that close relationship, that, that we no longer lived with God. And yet Jesus shows us that God is making his dwelling among us again. It's picking up on a theme that's already been developed in the Old Testament. Uh, one of the places that's really important uh, is the tabernacle. It was, a, it was the name of the tent that, they, that God instructed Moses to make when they came out of Egypt. The, the people of Israel were down in Egypt as slaves and God brought them up. He rescued them. And he said to them, I want to live amongst you again. And so a special tent was made called the tabernacle where God lived in the centre of his people. It showed that he wanted to be with them. He wanted to be close to them. He wanted them to interact with them. But he had to make the way. And so the tabernacle was the place where God did that. And this word actually says that Jesus made his dwelling. He tabernacled amongst us. He, he set up himself like a tent that was right in the midst of his people saying, I want to be with you. I want to be close to you. I want to be with you again. So the word became flesh, made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Part of what was present in the tent was the, the cloud and the fire. It was God's glory. It was his greatness. It was his, his visible, he's different to us. He's amazing. And in Jesus, that theme's continued, that God's glory is present. And we were able to see it. In the tabernacle, the glory was hidden away, that only the high priest could see once a year in the Holy of Holies. And yet here now, Jesus has come and God's glory is revealed to us, and we're able to be close to him. And so my suggestion is that at Christmas, I want you to go home and to celebrate all the side effects. But as you do, don't forget the main deal, because this is why we celebrate Christmas, because 
God, the Word, became flesh. He made his dwelling amongst us and has revealed his glory to us. So I'm going to pray for us and ask that we'd remember that this Christmas. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you so much that you love us, so much that you sent Jesus for us at Christmas. Thank you that Jesus communicates to us what you are like, that he shows how important we are by becoming one of us. Thank you that you live amongst us, showing us again how important we are, your desire for us to be close to you again, and that you've revealed your glory, showing that we can come back into right relationship with you. We thank you for Christmas, this special time of the year where we remember that and reflect on it. And may we keep that main thing the main thing this Christmas. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.